0: My name is James Metzger. I'm the lead pastor at Renaissance Bible Church. And I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning into our podcast. At REN, we really believe that God's word is living and active, that God still uses it to form and shape and change lives uh, for all of eternity. And so our prayer uh, for you is that God might use uh, these words to point you and others to Jesus. May God bless you in your journey. Uh, this morning, I want us to think together about the anatomy of faith, the anatomy of faith, a uh, particularly great faith. What does it look like to have great faith? If I were to ask you to describe your faith, how would uh, you describe it today? Uh, if you're anything like me, my response to that question is probably it depends what day you ask. And it depends what uh, the weather is like outside. It depends on the season Depends how things are going uh, emotionally or physically or financially. There's, there's so much that's typically uh, tied into the answer uh, to that question. There can be times in life when uh, faith seems feeble, where it seems weak. There are other times when uh, it might seem like it fluctuates, where it's fickle, where it's flimsy. Uh, and then there are other times when faith uh, seems strong. You know, there are times in life when you think that God uh, can move the mountains, and then there are other times when you wonder to yourself, I wonder who made the mountains. You know, there are times when you believe that God can answer any prayer, and then there are times when you wonder if God even hears your prayer. Uh, This morning, uh, I want to talk to you about what does it look like to possess or to have great faith because I think the vast majority of us, if not all of us, if it were up to us, wouldn't want feeble or fickle or flimsy or fluctuating faith. We would want strong faith. We would want a great faith. We would want a faith that believes and trusts wholeheartedly uh, in God. Uh, This last week, I was amazed to find an unlikely example in Scripture of someone that Jesus described as having great faith. And and I want us to hold up this woman's faith and consider what is it about uh, her faith that led to Jesus describing her faith is great. And so if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Mark uh, chapter 7, uh, beginning in verse 24, as we look at the anatomy of great faith. It says in Mark chapter uh, 7, beginning in verse 24, And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, uh, yet he could not be hidden." Uh, But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Uh, Verse 26 reads, Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs." But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. 29 reads, And he said to her, Jesus said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. This parallel story that's told in the Gospel of Matthew, the 15th chapter Uh, It says that Jesus tells the woman, Great is your faith. uh, Be it done as you desire. Great is your faith. Uh, So what is the, the anatomy or the makeup of great faith? What does it look like to possess a kind of faith that Jesus would describe like he describes this woman as being great faith. Well, the first thing that we notice from this woman's life is that a great faith is oftentimes marked by desperation. A great faith is oftentimes marked by desperation. The woman came to Jesus with a daughter who was ill. Mark chapter 7, verse 25 says, But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. So this is one desperate mother uh, who is coming to Jesus, longing for Jesus to address this situation uh, that she could not fix. I love what author and pastor Tim Keller says. He said, In life, there are cowards. There are regular people, there are heroes, and then there are parents. Right? If there's something wrong with your little baby girl or your little baby boy, you're willing to do anything uh, to get them the help that they desperately need. This mom is desperate. There's something that she's facing that is beyond her ability to fix. Uh, she can't simply uh, pull in her daughter close to her and stroke her hair and tell her, sweetie, it's going to be okay. Right? This issue right here, uh, she can't do anything about it. She's desperate for Jesus uh, to come and to act and to move. In other words, she is the perfect candidate for faith. Uh, Because faith oftentimes uh, grows out of our desperation. Uh, Faith is for people in life that don't have everything figured out. Uh, Faith is for people who don't have all of the answers to life's questions. Uh, Faith is for people who have come to the end of their rope. Uh, Faith is for people who can't fix what is broken? A uh, faith is for people who are sick and can't find the cure. A uh, faith is for people who are desperate. Uh, this woman was desperate. If it is true that faith is birthed out of desperation, uh, then could it be that our challenges and that the difficulty uh, we face in life? could not be fertile soil uh, for faith to grow. Um, Could it be that when we are at our very worst in life, those are opportune times for God to grow faith uh, in us? Uh, So maybe this morning there is an obstacle uh, that you can't overcome. Uh, Maybe there's something in your life that you can't fix. Uh, Maybe there's something that no matter how hard you try, you can't solve the problem. Uh, Maybe there is a mountain that you cannot climb or an addiction that no matter how hard you try, you can't shake. Uh, Maybe this morning you're facing something that is bigger than you. If that's you this morning, may I suggest to you that that just very well might be fertile soil um, for God to grow faith in you. Uh, faith is oftentimes grown or birthed out of our desperation. We also see in the life of this woman that great faith is often marked uh, by persistence. A uh, great faith is often marked uh, by persistence. There is a sticktuitiveness to faith. Uh, Faith comes to the Lord again and again and again. It says in verse 26 of Mark chapter 7, now the woman was a Gentile, a by birth, and she begged him, she begged Jesus uh, to cast the demon out of her daughter. When scripture says that she begged jesus to uh to cast this demon out of her daughter uh, to heal her daughter Uh, the text implies that this is something she did again and again and again right so she she came to jesus and it wasn't kind of a one and done thing she didn't come to jesus and go hey could you help And then walk away, the the text indicates that this is something where she continually was coming before Christ, asking him, begging him to do something about the situation that her daughter faced. This reminds me of the story that is found in Luke chapter 18, where there is a persistent woman who goes before the judge, um, asking the judge for mercy. The context of the story is told uh, to encourage us to be a people who continually pray, uh, who continually bring our requests before the Lord. That story in Luke chapter 18 uh, says that the judge in this particular story uh, did not fear God, uh, and the judge wasn't all that concerned with what people thought. Uh, And yet, uh, this woman continues to go to the judge uh, asking for mercy right asking the judge to do something about the situation and i love what the text says in luke chapter 18 i think it's verse 5 uh, it says though i neither fear god nor respect man yet because this widow keeps bothering me i will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming <laughs> i love that translation Right? She keeps coming and asking for the same thing over and over and over again. So the judge goes, fine, stop beating me down. You can have justice. And well, there's this picture here in Mark chapter 7 of this woman who continually comes before Jesus asking him for something. It's like a child when they hear the ice cream truck in your neighborhood you know, mom, dad, can we get an ice cream? Can we get an ice cream? Can we get an ice cream? And you're like, no, sweetie, no, no ice cream today. We do, no, no, can I get an ice cream? Can I get an ice cream? Again and again and again. And they just beat you down, right? And finally, you're like, fine, take the ice cream. Take the ice cream. We have a saying in our house when our children ask for something uh, again and again. We tell them, asked and answered, right? You've asked me once. I've answered once. We should be done now. But apparently, apparently there's a benefit to persistence. Uh, Apparently there are some situations in life in certain contexts where uh, it's good to continually ask for the same thing again and again and again and again. I have a friend who's in sales and he tells me all the time, James, no is just a soft Yes. I love that. All right, Lord, it seems like a no, but I'm going to take it as a soft yes. I'm going to ask again and again and again, and that's what uh, this woman does. She comes before Jesus, and she asks, she begs Jesus uh, to do something about this situation. I wonder this morning, Renaissance, is there uh, something uh, in your life that you've just stopped asking God for? You've just stopped asking him for it. Like maybe there was this time when you were passionate about it, where it was important to you, where you had this expectation that God was going to move and act. And so you asked him, and then you asked him, and then you asked him, and then you're like, all right, I'm done. Uh, Maybe, maybe it's time to pick back up. Maybe it's time to pick back up. I'm not talking about praying that God would give you five numbers in the Powerball am not talking about that. I'm saying, are there things in your life, like, like good things, things on the outside looking in where you're going, God, This, I'm asking you for this. This seems like a good thing. I want you to, to heal this person. I want you to help this person. I want you to rescue this person or save this person. I want you to open their eyes, change their affections. I want you to move in them. Right? Those, those, are, those are good prayers to pray. And yet, if you're anything like me, There can be times when we pray for those things for about this long. And then we just kind of tell ourselves, I know how this plays out. So I'm done. Like, I I wonder, I wonder if there are not times when when God desires for us to pick back up those prayers. To to continually ask him for the thing that he's placed on our hearts. Here's the thing, he's going to sort through all that. If we ask God to say yes to something that he is going to say no, he's, he's, gonna, like, he's God. He'll be able to sort through that. He's, he's going to carry us through that. He's going to help us along. He's going to change our affections. He's going to walk with us through the nose in life. But I don't think God wants us to stop asking. A great faith is a persistent faith. Great faith is persistent faith. The other thing that we notice about uh, this woman's faith faith is that it was marked by uh, humility. It was marked by humility. This story of this conversation that takes place between her and Jesus is an interesting story, isn't it? I mean, it's fascinating. Listen to the conversation that uh, she has. She begs Jesus to cast the demon out of her daughter. And then verse 27, it says, And he said to her, This is Jesus. This is Jesus. He said, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Verse 28, but she answered him, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Right? So she makes this request of Jesus in verse tw- uh, 26, the end of verse 26 and and jesus responds let the children be fed first for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs you you see what jesus is saying to her i mean jesus in essence is is calling her a dog right when we read this story in the in the gospel of matthew jesus uh, says to her listen i've come for the jews and you're not a jew Right? So you, you listen to that and you think to yourself, that that seems at first blush slightly inappropriate for Jesus to say that. It, it, it comes across as somewhat even offensive. Um, Jews would call the Gentiles dogs. They would call them scavengers. But what's interesting about this text is that's not the same word that Jesus uses. Jesus uses the word for, uh, for a puppy or for a household pet. Now maybe you're here this morning and you're a lady and you're thinking, man, I don't care how you dice that up. Either way, I don't want to be called that. Right? Maybe that's you. But what Jesus is saying to the woman initially is, hey, I've come for the Jews. And oh, by the way, you're not Jewish. But I love her response to Jesus because after Jesus uh, tells her that, she doesn't back down. She doesn't uh, back away. If she's offended by what Jesus says, she doesn't let on. Uh, she simply says to, her, to him, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And what, what humility what humility that this woman has to respond to Jesus in that way. If you have a dog at home, then you can imagine this picture. If you have a dog and children, you can really imagine this picture. Right? The last four years that we've had our Jack Russell Terrier, he, he loves spending time around the dinner table. right? And when the kids were even younger than uh, they are today, oftentimes he would spend time around the dinner table because kids are messy eaters. Right, they drop things, usually vegetables. Right? And the dog comes over and sniffs it and smells it and then, and then leaves it and walks away. Uh, but occasionally they'll drop something good. They'll drop a piece of meat, like a piece of steak or, or chicken or a piece of bread, and the, and the dog comes in and devours the crumbs, devours uh, what is left over. This woman comes to Jesus humbly and says, I just, I just want your crumbs. Like, fair enough, Jesus. You came for the Jews. Go ahead, feed them. But I'll take the crumbs. But she did not come to Jesus with this presumptuous faith like Jesus owed her something or that Jesus had to move or, or had to act. She did not wave her fist at him saying, You owe me. She simply said to him, Just give me the crumbs, right? The crumbs will be enough. Just give me your leftovers. Your leftovers will be enough. What humility that this woman possessed, that she came uh, to Jesus with great expectancy. She came to him uh, out of her desperation. Uh, She came to him with a persistent faith, uh, and she came to him in great humility. Maybe some of us read that uh, this morning and we say, Lord, I want to I possess that kind of humility when I come to you. Lord, I want to come to you and I want to say, you don't owe me anything. You don't owe me anything. You are the God of the universe, right? You sit high, enthroned in heaven and you can do as you please. But Lord, I'll take your crumbs. I'll take whatever you give me believe that this is the kind of faith uh, that marked this woman's life. I believe that that is why uh, Jesus looked at this woman and said, this woman uh, possesses great uh, faith. A great faith is marked by desperation. It's marked by persistence. It's marked by uh, humility. But I think it's also important for us uh, to notice the recipient of this faith. Notice, notice who this faith is extended to. Uh, scripture says in Mark chapter 7, verse 24, And from there he, Jesus, arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. Verse 25, But immediately a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down to his feet. Verse 26, Now the woman was a Gentile, and a Syrophoenician by birth. Now, if you, if you look at how Jesus ministered in the path that he took as he interacted with people, um, it was rare. In fact, I can't think of a time during Jesus' earthly ministry where he left uh, the border of Israel. Uh, but here, Jesus heads to Phoenicia, which is modern-day Lebanon. Right? Modern-day Lebanon. And so uh, this place where Jesus went was a place uh, that was known to be opposed uh, to the things of God. They had a history of being in opposition to the nation or to the people of Israel. Um, this place where Jesus was was uh, the hometown of Jezebel. Sketchy pass. Right, this place where Jesus heads is the place that both Ezekiel and Zechariah prophesied against. Right, so this land where Jesus goes and finds this woman um, is, is not the Bible belt. Right, I mean, if you're searching high and low to find someone of great faith, uh, this might be the last place on earth uh, that you would go. And yet, and yet, Jesus uh, heads here. He he finds a Gentile woman. She's a Canaanite. Culturally, uh, she's got strikes against her. She's looked down upon because she's a woman, and she's not a Jewish woman. She's a Canaanite. Sketchy past. And so I read that, and I, and I think uh, to myself, uh, who who is untouchable? Uh, who is, is beyond the reach of the grace of God? Where on a map can you point to and go, there's no hope there? Jesus can't reach those folks. Because he did. Uh, No one, no one, no one is beyond God's grace. Uh, No one is off limits. It doesn't matter how smart you are or how simple you are, how educated or uneducated, rich or poor. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you were born on. You are not beyond Uh, the reach of the grace of God. I wonder, Ren, if there's someone in your life that you look at today and you think to yourself, there's no hope for him. There's no hope for her. I mean, I hear these stories about people coming to Jesus, but I don't know if Jesus knows about him. (laughs) I don't know if Jesus knows about her. I mean, they're, they're out there. Well, guess what? Jesus goes out there. He goes out there. He takes outsiders and he brings them in and he does it all of the time. Who is the recipient of great faith? People like you and like me. People at one time who were on the outside looking in. People who God chased after by his Spirit and called sons and daughters, No one is beyond the reach of the grace of God. The anatomy of faith, desperation, persistence, humility, the recipient of faith, people like you and people like me. But I, I want to say one thing uh, about the object of this woman's faith. Because truth be told, I I really believe this is why uh, this woman's faith was described as great. I I don't think it's primarily because she mustered up something inside of her that that lived out faith that was greater than the people around her. Her faith was clearly described as great uh, by Jesus. But, But why? You see, because Mark chapter 7 paints two pictures of faith for us. Uh, The first picture of faith that we see is the so-called faith of the Pharisees. Uh, Quite honestly, the Pharisees lived lives that you and I would look at and think to ourselves, well, that's a life of faith. That's a life of following God. That's a life of following the rules. That's a life of obedience. That's a life of saying and doing the right things. That right there is a life of faith. But you remember how Jesus described uh, their faith. He said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. And yet, here's this woman, very much an outsider in the culture. Jesus looks at her and says, This is a woman of great faith. Why is that? I think in part it is because the Pharisees, uh, the religious rulers of the day, uh, they were not trusting in God for their source of righteousness. Uh, They were not trusting in Jesus uh, for their source of goodness. They were trusting in themselves. They were looking at all the rules and regulations in Scripture and going, I can do that. I can do it. I can knock it out of the park. I'm a disciplined person. And you give me rules, I'll follow them. Not only will I follow them, I'll make some more. You just watch. You watch me. You watch me. I can do it. But that is not saving faith. That is not faith that's pleasing to God. A faith that is pleasing to God is desperate faith. Faith that is pleasing to God uh, is faith that is persistent and humble. It is faith that comes to the Lord and says, God, I cannot fix what is broken. I need you. I need you to show up. I need you to help me. I need you to move in my heart and in my life. That is commendable faith. That is great faith. Uh, That is saving faith. What makes us good before a holy and righteous uh, God is not our ability to follow all of the rules. Uh, It is not our ability to perform uh, before God. It is our trust in the finished work of Jesus, uh, who came and lived a perfect life and died a sinner's death, who took the punishment that belonged to me and rightfully belonged to you and paid for it in full on the cross Our hope is in a Savior who defeated death and offers to us life. Uh, That uh, is our hope. The Pharisees, the Pharisees did not want Jesus to sit at their table. The woman, the woman just wanted the crumbs uh, from his table. Renaissance, it's my prayer that we, like uh, this woman, would have the faith of a beggar. My prayer for us is that we would have uh, a faith that is desperate, a faith that goes to our only true source of hope in life, uh, and that is Jesus. May God, by His Spirit, uh, give us a faith uh, that is uh, persistent, a faith that is desperate, and a faith that is humble. Uh, Would you pray with me and ask the Lord to do that in our hearts and in our lives? Uh, Father God, we do pray uh, that by your spirit you would, uh, would grant to us a great faith. Lord, would you open up our eyes and help us uh, to see how truly desperate we are. God open up our hearts and allow us to be a persistent And coming to you and asking you to do what only you can do. And God, I pray by your spirit you might grant us the humility to come to you as beggars. A people who have done nothing to earn from you what only can be given. Lord, I pray that you would do that in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.